0: Now, back to Sports 56 mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
1: Welcome back, everyone. 804 of the time, hour number two here on Sports 56 Mornings, the Monday, November 20th, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. The overstock sale continues at Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. We're going to get back to your calls and texts on Memphis Tigers football in just a moment. Currently 52 degrees and cloudy. Raining a lot overnight into the morning hours and there is expected to be more rain later today. In fact, a steady rain predicted for later in the day. High of around 63 and then Tonight, thunderstorms during the evening, cloudy skies, low of 51, chance of rain at about 90%. Tomorrow, cloudy with a high of 55. Hour 2 of the program is brought to you each and every day by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers. Their Jingle and Gems Holiday Party is coming up, and you're invited to sip, savor, and shop. James Gaddis Jewelers gladly invite you to their holiday party. Mark it down, Thursday, November 30th from 5 to 8 p.m., 4900 Poplar Avenue, tis the season of sparkle and shine. Enjoy some live entertainment, festive cocktails, savory bites while shopping their newest arrivals just in time for the holidays. That's coming up again rapidly on on Thursday, the 30th of November, the holiday party. You're invited to the Jingle and Gems party at... James Gaddis Jules, and every Monday and Friday they bring you the Memphis Sports Fact. Did you know? Southwind, Fairly, and Houston High Schools all advanced to the Tennessee State High School Football Semifinals with victories on Friday night. In Class 2A, Fairly will now face Riverdale this Friday. In Class 5A, Southwind will take on Page, and in 6A, Houston meets Brentwood. All or Brentwood all for a chance to make it to their respective state championship games congratulations to all three of those teams that have advanced all right back to your calls let's go to dan on tigers football dan thanks for holding how are you
2: hey
3: guys i'm good how y'all doing doing good thank you man um you know i've been a tiger fan since 77 when i moved here from chicago and i'm thrilled with eight and three i don't care who we beat when we beat them i mean (laughs) i just it's fantastic i mean i'm it, it's just it, we've, we've been consistently winning for the last few years. Uh, even six and six, I was around for the one and ten and two and nine and blah 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 blah. And Some of the coaches, so I think people need to just back off and figure this is Memphis football and we're doing great. Right. I mean, leave Leave Ryan alone. He's a good guy. I mean, he's he's got a lot of integrity and he's a good coach. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, Dan. So anyway,
3: that's my, that's my thoughts. Appreciate Thanks,
1: appreciate the call. Do you think this is a generational thing? where the older Tiger fans have been through the hard times and they enjoy eight wins, nine wins, whereas the younger fans have tasted Fuente and Norvell's teams and all those wins and a cotton ball appearance, and they expect maybe too much. Although asking to be in the conference championship game is not asking too much in this conference.
4: I think there's some of that because I think, again, it's all about its perspective. And yes, I mean, if you've been a fan for, you know, 30 40 years like you know what a bad season is <laughs> you've you've seen it you've you've gone through plenty of them and you so you you go hey listen i don't care who we're beating i look like winning games and we're actually doing that um but i but there are also some older fans who i know aren't happy <laughs> with this either there's like, a mixture but i but i think yes there is somewhat of a generational
1: portion to it all right we go to billy billy again thanks for holding appreciate it
3: uh, yeah, um, I, I don't – I don't. It it is an image thing. It's a perspective thing. Uh, I mean, you got a coach that basically comes out. And, and is Ryan a nice guy? Yes, he's a nice guy. It has nothing to do with coaching football. Um, he comes out at the beginning of the season. He's on your radio show. He's on the papers, you know, talking about this offense that mm-hmm. was going to blow the city away. Um, you're going to see things that you've never seen before. And the play calling is exactly the same that it's been since he's been here. Um, and it, it it is, there is something to be said about who we're beating, Mm -hmm. you know, under Norvell and Fuente, we would, we had that one, like one win a year that we, you knew we were going to go out and we were going to shock somebody, whether it was Ole Miss, whether it was UCLA, whoever under Ryan, we beat exactly who we're supposed to beat, And we lose to every team we're supposed to beat to lose to. He's not going to shock anybody. Mm -hmm. And and that is the problem. The, The fan base has come to expect it. And, 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 I mean, when you listen to Fuente and, and Norvell and who Ryan is, that's who he was supposed to be, and he's not that guy. He, he's the, he's the, the even-keel coach. He's the get-you-the-eight-wins, that's great. What are we going to do next year? How are you going to keep the fan base up when, when you're going to lose to the UCSAs and, and the, the teams that are better in the conference? We're not going to be favored in a conference that's terrible next year, and that's the problem.
1: Billy, thank you very Thanks much. John. Appreciate the call. Three six oh eight two five five. If you'd like to comment on Memphis Tigers football, we got text to read as well. Let's go back to the sports fifty six listener lines. Melvin is up next. Hi, Melvin. Good
5: morning, guys. Good morning. I mean, the, what two line I think what we had, 28, 21 points against two line Sign score. I mean, that's the issue. The offense is not as close. The play call and similar the defense. Okay, like you 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 look at all kind like most schools, it, I, we're not an SEC school, right? Mm-hmm. But you know what what, what? what Most schools do when they defense game back they they uh they get rid of the defensive coordinator. Like we ran the same defense out there for the second half like six straight weeks. The second half teams come out, they just bomb us out like every single week. So like next year, North Texas quarterback, I don't know if he'll see or not. He gonna they he he himself in. They offense is building build now. Uh, Charlotte offense is better now. Like, the, uh, the play call and the defense play call, that's the issue. So it's the same thing. They're like, we won eight games because the team, the, these teams we play, these are bad games. If we say it's, it's Cincinnati and Houston was in the video, there will be another six-win team.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So if people have a win eight games, they're not, they not taking it to content. Like, we're not playing anybody. Like, this league is so terrible, and we're not building UTSA. So what are we doing? Am I saying fire? No, they're not going to fire. but we're going to be mediocre. We're not going to be better than those teams. Uh, you see the play call. You see the old guys going fifth against us. But we burned barely beating those teams, and that was a bad sign. So, I mean, it is what it is, though.
1: Thanks, Melvin, you know, thank you. Appreciate the call. You can follow up Melvin. Open phone lines, 360-8255, talking Tigers football. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I mean,
4: all of the argument points on either side make sense. Yes. Like, that's the thing. Like, it, It's a good debate. I can understand, but we talked about the beginning here. We knew, like, eight was pretty much, like, the floor. Like, with the schedule they had, you looked at it, you're like, dude, it's really hard to not win eight mm-hmm. at least. Like, mm-hmm. just virtually impossible. It was going to be virtually impossible to not win at least eight games. Right. Um, but again, I can also understand, so if you win nine, you've, Got a little over that, whatever. But I understand the people who go, yeah, okay, nine wins, but it gets two. What's that mean? Or other callers who say, like, listen, dude, nine wins at Memphis football. If we start questioning that, like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, it's 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 really weird. Again, now he's about offense. The offense
1: is not an issue. The offense is not a problem well, with this well, team. Well, the last two callers have talked about it basically being vanilla. They but there's just four points.
4: points. They're 16th in the nation in total offense and they're 10th in the nation in scoring. Right. Like
1: the offense is not a pro, is not the problem here. Yeah, you're not seeing a lot of double reverses and flea flickers and things of that nature if that's what you want, but you're seeing scoring, pretty consistent scoring. I mean, they're averaging nearly 40 points a game. <laughs> that right. I'm not bl- I'm not going to blame the offense. The
4: defense is the problem. I mean, the defense is Awful again, and they're it puts so much pressure on the offense. Your offense basically has to score on every possession because the defense is allowing a score on just about every possession. It's, um, yeah, it's just a certainly it is frustrating because not only the the thing too is, is you'll use the argue people will use the argument to support him that hey we played Missouri close too late on these but you're also gonna look at it like. You keep giving yourself a chance to win those games, and you just can't do it. and And he's never Ryan's never going to satisfy some of the fans. He's never going to satisfy. Like they have, they've already made up their mind. They're done. Like it doesn't matter what happens. But unless he wins one of these games, at least one of these games, he's there's there's another big trunk that he's just never going to satisfy. He. He can win nine games every single year, but if he loses to every good team on the schedule, those people are never going to be satisfied. I mean, you talk to people going, I was just talking to big Tiger fans going into the game and everything around the game Saturday. None of them thought they would win the game. They just assumed, like, we're not good enough to beat SMU. And it's like, this isn't like some... Juggernaut SMU team—they haven't beaten anybody either. Like they—they've played a bunch of bad teams and beat them. Like they—they've done nothing. They got beat by Oklahoma. They got beat by an, an average TCU team. Like they've done nothing. But like people were just like, I—they look at it like, well, how we're eight and a half point underdog. We don't ever win these games. Like we have lost this game. We're we will lose this game.
1: Well, again, it's it's it was a matchup of teams that were very close. They're very similar. And you're right, SMU did not have this. Even though their their record was great, like it was with Memphis, 8-2, and two, they didn't have this shiny resume. But they went in there, and they played near-perfect football. And for Memphis, they made a couple of mistakes. It was one of the more complete games Memphis played all season long. But they fumbled on an opening drive. They took the ball. They wanted to score right off the bat. And they fumbled on the opening drive, and they cashed it in. And then on the drive that I alluded to earlier in hour number one, and a couple of callers talked about it, the drive in which they were down three, they were in field goal range and they called that one back on an illegal man downfield. Then they had the punt where they put them at the one and they called that one back because of illegal formation. There was another penalty on that drive. There were three critical penalties. And while they're not turnovers, they really are. That drive killed you, the first drive killed you. SMU didn't make any mistakes, and you lost. You're close, but the argument from some people is you're close, but this isn't Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. They're all gone. And next year, SMU's gone, for goodness sakes. And you can talk about the NIL money, and they have the NIL money. But you know who else is getting NIL money? Charlotte is getting NIL money. Wait till Charlotte brings in more talent. Wait till Florida Atlantic and Tom Herman bring in more talent. Tulane's not going anywhere. UTSA is strong. We'll see if their coach stays. But Memphis has no excuses, right? They have to be there. They have to get to that promised land. They have to get to that championship game. The, the good
4: thing is, the, you know, the old saying, if you can't beat them, join them. Here, it's if you can't beat them, hope they leave the conference. Hope they
1: leave the conference. And they are. <laughs> they all are. So, if you eventually get down to just the teams you can beat, hopefully. <laughs> but but, but as, as our first caller, I think it was Joe, talked about, it's like— you know, Some people think like it, it's some titanic drop, like this team all of a sudden went from where they were with Mike Norvell to a disaster. They beat Temple and they won a bowl game. They win 10 games. They've done it three times in their history. I'm not saying everything's honky-dory, everything's great. I understand the plight of some fans who say, wow, we can't win that big one right there. They're, they're so close, yet so far. Missouri, they gave Missouri a run. They gave Missouri a lot closer game than Tennessee did, but they lost the game. Tulane, they had the lead. They lost that game. That was the one game they had the lead and they, and they lost it. Other games, they've come back to win games uh, this year. But again, you know, people will argue like, um, I forget who it was, close shaves against North Texas. You had to come back in the last minute to win. Or a close shave against Charlotte. You had to go to overtime and win. But they won. The bottom line was they won those games. And so, I can understand the plight of of both fan bases. But to me, Ryan Silverfield more than likely is going to win nine or ten games. You ain't making no change. There's no change happening. But this team's got to figure out a way to get more NIL money to be able to pay for more of these players that are in the transfer portal and go from there.
4: Uh, Texas says of the eight wins, only Boise State has a winning record at 6-5. and
1: Wait a minute. Uh, What's Arkansas State's record now? Arkansas State. I don't know what's happened to them, but has anybody paid attention to Arkansas State? They beat Texas State, a, a pretty solid team, seventy-seven to thirty-one on Saturday, and are now bowl eligible. So they got to be six and five. Arkansas State, they got to have a winning record.
4: Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're I, bowl I, eligible I, now. Yeah, I would say If they're bowl eligible, obviously they have they have to be six and five. Right. Uh, David says, if you look at the record, yes, Silverfield has done a great job. But if you look, if you use the eye test, you know we were living on the edge. He's not the guy to take the program forward. He doesn't have me saying, man, I can't wait to go watch the Memphis Tigers game this weekend, and I get free tickets. Would another D1 program hire him? I don't know. If I, I Right now, no, I don't think any other program's hiring Ryan Sofield as their head coach. But, yeah, and again, I I, I understand that that texters feelings. I, I hear that from a lot of other people. And, you know, they, they announced 30,000 people the other day. I thought the crowd was... Fine was good because I just go with the understanding that's about as good as they do right now. See, I thought it was disappointing. Like like they're not going to get, they're not going to draw forty thousand people. There are a lot of people. Again, there were a lot of people who went. I'm not going to go to the game because they're going to lose. Like there were so many people that were resigned to the fact that they aren't good enough to beat SMU, which is sad. But that's just again when they're underdog, they assume they're going to lose, and so that's kind of what
1: they're going to. That's what they can hope for is about. Twenty-five to 30,000 people at a game. Yeah, as we talked about, the debate on both sides of this issue are strong. Nobody has said anything ludicrous, right? Just crazy, right? People have their own thoughts. They've expressed their thoughts. It's been pretty much down the road. It's a polarizing uh, topic, certainly. I thought it was disappointing because you had your chance at 8-2 and 8-2. Two, and and two. two teams that were 8-2 playing for a chance to go to the conference championship. Now, Memphis still had to get help, and we know what we understand that with the one loss they already had to Tulane, but they were in position if they had won that game. So you didn't know what the outcome was going to be, although you said a lot of people already thought beforehand that they were gonna lose the game. They probably looked at the the odds makers that made them eight and a half, nine point underdogs. I'm sure some people looked at the weather and thought it was zero degrees as opposed to near sixty and sunny, but I thought it was disappointing. In the importance of that game to have only thirty. You said, Hey, that's pretty much the way it's going to I, be. I just
4: go to understand like that's that's kind of their high number right now. Yeah. I mean, you've generally you're gonna get about twenty five thousand and your bigger games you're gonna get about thirty thousand. It was like, senior day. You know, it's a shame for the is.
1: seniors, but I mean they were loud. The people that are there are into it. They really are. They were loud, uh, but hmm. again, I thought it'd be maybe thirty five to forty.
4: Another Texas, I just don't understand how awful our defense has been the last few years. Got to be hard on a team with such a good offense and such a bad defense. Again, I mean they just they don't ever they can't get that stop. Like when you need that big stop, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> like it just well teams go right through them, the good teams.
1: Yeah, they got they got the big stop at Charlotte to allow them to be able to tie the game and go to overtime. But you're you're right. I mean, the second half start and teams kind of slice through the defense. And you scratch your head go, wait a minute, that three plays, they're already in the end zone. Or four plays, they're down in the red zone. What happened? Like, what happened? It seems like they get worn down. They get worn down. But they stepped up and they had a stop in that game. And Memphis had that opportunity. Obviously, they scored late, but could not convert the onside kick.
4: Uh, Reggie says, I think the problem Memphis fans are having is that if we can't win in a mediocre conference, we will never get to a better conference.
1: That's a I
4: I fair yes. point. But they also you could also say if, if you get to here's here's what they do like if you can't beat any of these good teams like if you get to a better conference and you're losing all of the time would you rather have that?
1: Yes, I think yeah, we've had this conversation before and I know that Cincinnati UCF Houston even BYU they, they they've had some hard times in their first year in the big 12 but I would say everything changes because if you're in a power conference you're getting power money now you're going to have more money for Nil you're going to have more of those players who was it we had a texter or a caller that said you know the best they don't even go after the best talent in the city because they know they're going to lose them to the SEC to SEC teams well, If you're a part of a Power 5 conference, maybe more of those players want to stay and play for Memphis. So it's one of those chicken and egg things. you know. I think Memphis, it would take a little bit to get adjusted, but I think there'd be so much more money where they would be able to afford players and they would be able to get the top talent as far as the recruits that are coming out of high school and junior college, whereas some of them, most of them, they're not able to get.
4: East Coast Wings and Grill, when it comes to watching all the games, whatever it might be, from football, basketball, whatever is on, Grizzlies, Tigers any other football action. Of course, we get into bowl season, all of those games. Of course, you can watch those at East Coast Wings and Grill while enjoying great food and great drinks as well. They've got TVs all over the place for you to watch all the action. And then they've got food. And Do they ever have food? They've got wings, of course. That's right there in the name. And they've got 60 different flavors of wings for you to choose from, all available in different heat indexes. Plus, you've got their great burgers and flatbreads and so many other things on the menu at East Coast Wings and Grill. $24 draft beers on tap plus anything else that you want as far as drinks are concerned 3 30 to 6 30 monday through friday is happy hour you can check it all out at east coast wings and grill they're located just off highway 64 kate hyde boulevard runs right between lowe's and walmart they're at highway 64 that's where you'll find them at east coast wings and grill
1: and real quick before we take the break barrett Salee on the other side to talk college football but if you missed it sam Pittman. Gets the uh, vote of confidence. There will not be a change at Arkansas. If you were wondering about the Razorbacks, who of course did win over the weekend in in their game, but um, they only played uh, Florida International. It's not like they won an SEC game. But Sam Pittman will be retained. Dino Babers, however, lost his job after eight seasons at Syracuse. So Syracuse is another school looking for a new head coach. We'll talk college football including some movement in the top 25 poll. Could it affect tomorrow night's college football playoff rankings? We'll talk with Barrett Salee next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers.
2: Genuine diamonds,
0: baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. All
1: Welcome back, everyone. 8 30 the time, halfway home on this Monday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Rivalry week in college football, final week of the regular season. Then, of course, conference championship games the week after. And then we'll know where everybody's going, who's going to be in the playoffs, who's going bowling to which bowl, who the opponents will be. So a lot to talk about with our friend Barrett Salee.
0: It's time to talk some college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Barrett Salee from CBS Sports.com, CBS Sports HQ, and Sirius XM Radio. Here's Barrett Salee with Greg and Eli. Hey, it is
1: always fun to catch up with our friend Barrett Salee. You can follow him on Twitter at Barrett Salee. How are you, man?
6: I'm doing great. How are y'all?
1: Doing doing pretty good. We don't obviously have the new week's uh, college football rankings out yet. That's tomorrow night, but the AP poll for what it's worth made a few moves. The voters made a few moves. Michigan and Ohio State flip-flopped. Ohio State now two behind Georgia, Michigan three. Washington and Florida State flip-flopped. Florida State moved down to five. Washington jumped up to four. Do you think this is a precursor to some moves that we could see tomorrow night?
6: No, not really. Uh, I think, to me, uh, the AP poll may be a little bit more of a uh, – ha- has a little bit more susceptibility to recency bias. Because mm, okay. and I think Jordan Travis's injury probably plays more into the AP poll than it does to the college football playoff ranking. Uh, so uh, maybe Florida State jumps Washington uh, in the playoff poll. I to me, I think that it, it the, the fact that Are Florida State now, aren't they look ugly. What's that? Aren't
1: they ahead right now,
6: Florida State? Aren't they four? No, I would say Washington jumps Florida State. Oh, that's okay. Uh, okay. I could see that because, I mean, Washington got a big win. I don't think the Jordan Travis injury would be a part of it, but I think, you know, when you have a, a win over the number 11 team in the country at their place, uh, the committee's going to like that. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what they think about Florida State, how they factor in that injury. They do mm-hmm. factor in injuries, but they don't specify how they factor in injuries. Right. Right. So, um, you know, maybe they just look at Florida State and say, all right, we'll keep them here. Let's see what happens against Florida you know, let's see what this new look Florida state team looks like before we do anything with them. Um, you know, I think for, for Michigan and Ohio state, how, how was, how did that Maryland game look to the committee and really what does Maryland, what, what kind of reputation do they have with the committee? Because there's been times where they've looked good. There's been times where they've looked awful. So, um, You know, it wouldn't surprise me if there's some movement there, but I don't think the AP poll really has any bearing on what what happens within that committee
1: room. I can tell you a lot about Maryland
4: with the. I know you could (laughs) with the Jordan Travis injury. How susceptible you think Florida State is to either Florida or Louisville?
6: So, I'm not going to dodge the question. Well, I am going to dodge the question with Florida because I don't know what Mac Brown is, right? Like (laughs) it's it's so interesting now with that with that Florida game because. You know, we saw Max Brown when he came in for Graham Mertz against Missouri. He was all right.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, he was okay. He mm-hmm.
6: wasn't bad. He wasn't great. He had some moments. Like, whatever. Um, and that was sort of the same thing with Tate Rodemaker against the lesser competition. So, uh, I, I think they'll be okay because the one, I think, part of it that you can have confidence in if you're a Florida <laughs> State fan is that Tate was Mike Norvell's first recruit. Like, that's the guy he targeted. Uh, it, it, the upside – is nowhere close to what Jordan Travis's upside is, but he knows exactly what Mike Norvell wants to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps. Um, but to me, and, and I said this Saturday night on, on our wrap up show, I, my opinion of Florida state has changed from being a team that's capable of winning a national championship to capable of making the playoff, but not capable of winning a national championship, um, oh. you know, because the path to get Florida, I think they'll be Okay. You know, Tate has two really good receivers to help him out. So that that's, I think, the one thing that you can look at and say, okay, he can get by Florida that way. Uh, but he might go toe-to-toe against a really good quarterback and plumber against, uh, against Louisville in the, in the championship game. So how does he handle that? How does the defense handle Louisville's, you know, offensive attack? Because that directly affects what he's asked to do um, offensively. So the Louisville game is going to be more of a challenge, but I'm going to kind of hold off on making you know, significant judgment because, you know, the Florida game, we don't even know what, we have <laughs> no idea what that game is going to look like. I'm honestly surprised, guys, that the Ive Makers even came out with a line for that game yesterday when the line came out because it's so, there's so much uncertainty around
4: it. Do you think if Florida State wins both, that they are in no matter what?
6: Yes, because Michigan or Ohio State going to have a loss. So, <laughs> If you have four undefeated conference champions, yeah, it makes their job so much easier. Uh, because if, if Florida State wins out, then the committee is going to look at that as a positive and say, oh, dang, you won two games, a rivalry game and an ACC championship game with your backup quarterback who replaced a Heisman Trophy caliber player. That—that mm-hmm. That is... They're going to look at that as a positive because I know the strength of schedule hasn't been there. For Florida State, they've looked floppy at times. They could win both of those games 3-2, to two and they're still getting
1: in. All right, so this weekend, Ann Arbor, Big House, Michigan, Ohio State. I want to get your thoughts on, on who do you think comes out victorious. And now, assuming that that winner is going to beat, more than likely, Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game, give me the scenario in which the loser... Of the Big Ten game this weekend, the Big Ten battle, regular season battle, um, does not or, or does get into the playoff. Is there a scenario that the loser will get into the playoffs?
6: Oh, um, okay. Louisville wins the ACC, so that's that. Take care of that because I, I know one loss, Louisville might have an uh, you know they lost it like that's Yeah, you can't have them. Um, so Louisville beats Florida State. Um.
4: Texas loses. Washington the Big 12.
6: beats Oregon. So so Washington would be in. Okay. Uh, um, Texas loses to Team X in the Big 12 Championship game. And oh, man. Alabama could win, could beat Georgia. Both of those teams could get in. So you could have a have a oh no. Auburn would have to beat Alabama. And then Alabama would have to and then Alabama would have to lose to Georgia.
1: If Alabama beats Georgia, both those teams I mean unless Okay, Alabama beats Georgia. Okay. Alabama's in. Does Georgia get in?
6: Okay, if that for that to happen, no, not automatically. Okay, because for Alabama, so Texas has to be a, so for Georgia to get in in that scenario, mm-hmm. you'd have to have Texas lose, so that way that the, the Texas Bama conundrum is eliminated because Texas would have two losses, right? you'd probably have to have Washington beat Oregon. So Washington would be in Alabama would be in Louisville beat Florida state. And then whoever out of the big 10, so you'd have big 10 team X, Georgia, Alabama, Washington. Did I do it?
4: I, I think we'll, so. But we'll here, take, go back I to think the, I just did it. Well, to go <laughs> back to the first thing, and if Georgia wins the big, the sec mm-hmm. and Washington wins the pac 12 and Texas loses and Florida state loses, then wouldn't it be the two Big Ten teams both in, probably?
6: Well, it would be Big Ten loser versus Alabama loser. Yeah. Well, no, because Alabama would have two losses. Yeah, that's
4: the thing. They would have two losses yeah. versus that Big Ten, one loss. So that would put the two Big Ten teams probably in. Yeah. That's yeah, a, yeah, that'd be the scenario.
1: That's the scenario. Who do you think wins this weekend?
6: In Michigan, uh, I would say uh, Ohio State beats Michigan.
1: At, at the big house. Yeah, I I
6: mean, mean, that defense for Ohio State, you know, it's funny because Michigan and Ohio State are basically the same team. I mean, they really are. They're basically the same team. And I think, to me, the upside of having Marvin Harrison and being healthy and having Travion be as consistent as he is through the air is just, I mean, you can't focus just on Marvin Harrison. Like, you just can't do it. So when you put Travion Henderson, you know, just absolutely mauling people, and Kyle McCord having that safety net—not just with with Marvin Harrison, but mm-hmm. tight end, you know, to, uh, several other receivers. I mean, it's it's hard for Michigan. I, I know their defense is great. That's a hard offense to to, to to slow down because there are so many options, and they can win ugly. That's the thing. Is Ohio State's not this team that can you know run up and down the field, score forty or fifty points? They can do that. But they don't have to do that. Right. And, and that's, I think, very important because against this Michigan team, you might have to win ugly. And Ohio State is perfectly capable of doing that. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen.
4: Is the last two weeks an indicator that Georgia's kind of now clicked it into gear and they are showing that they are clearly the best team in the nation?
6: Yes. Uh, that's, and the, deep, that's the biggest thing is the defense has gotten better. You know, it's not like they had to take a massive step up defensively. But they needed to take a little bit of a step up. Not just a small step forward. Like one small step for man, right? And, and they did. You know, in the first half of the season, they weren't getting pressure. I mean, it was, it was astounding how little pressure they were getting defensively on opposing quarterbacks. And are they comparable to what they've been the last couple of years? No. But they're, they're a little better than they were earlier in the season. And that goes a long way because the offense is just unreal. Yeah. And you know I'm I'm not, I'm a big Stephen Bennett believer. I loved that dude. I thought he was a difference maker. Carson Beck's better, mm-hmm. and um, I think Mike Bobo and Carson Beck are in such a groove from a play calling perspective mm-hmm. that they don't they don't need to, they don't need to see the plays. Like, Carson Beck doesn't need to see the plays. He does exactly what what Mike Bobo is calling. So uh, it's just uh, they're a machine, man. It's been awesome to watch them develop because they didn't have to develop a lot, but. They needed to develop a new identity and, and they did it and they did it during the season, which, you know, Georgia last year didn't have to do that. It was just
3: like, Oh, here we are. We're going to do it again. <laughs> Whatever. Let's go. It's
4: it, yeah, they Beck has been incredible the last couple and I'm like, okay, not nah, this team. <laughs> this team legit looks like it's, they're going to be really, really hard to beat once again. Uh, no doubt about that. The, um, did Chip Kelly save his job? You think with that win over USC?
6: Yeah, and I bet there are a lot of boosters unhappy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, seriously, he was he was going to be let go yesterday. I hundred percent believe that. And then he goes out and blows out USC, and all these boosters are like, "Well, damn it, you can't do it now." Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> well, 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 Texas A&M and Mississippi State did it after blowout. Wins. Well, that's
6: true. <laughs> But it wasn't a rival, right? It wasn't a yes, cross-town true. rival. Like, what true. message would that send, honestly? Like, And, and you know, in all honesty. What, for, for Texas A&M to do with, okay, it's Mississippi State, whatever. But if you beat your yeah. in-city your your in city rival
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you
6: fire your coach the next day, I mean, there are recruits going to be going,
1: what? What the are, hell? What are y'all doing? Exactly. Yeah. What did you think of Dan Mullen, what he said when he tweeted out? That was really funny. I mean, I'd love I
6: love that Dan can like speak his mind a little bit and yes. he's willing to do it. Yes. So and I, I put Dan Mullen on coaching candidates for Syracuse um, and for Mississippi State, and I started thinking about it after I saw that tweet. It's like, all right, well if he's going to be this guy where he's just going to go off the cuff and just be awesome on Twitter, mm-hmm. I'd rather him not be <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what did you What did you think of the other Kelly Brian Kelly leaving Jaden Daniels in that game as long as he did. To just chalk up a lot of numbers for maybe a Heisman win,
6: perfectly fine with it. Mm-hmm. Perfectly fine with it, and you know what? I Sean Elliott's got to be got to be okay with it too, right? I mean, I think with when you when you have a guy like that who's gone through so much as a quarterback, you know, at or Arizona State regressing, going through COVID, you know, which was a terrible season for him, getting to LSU, beating Bama, and then you know having a season like this. He deserves it, and he has to have the recognition. He has to have those stats because you're not going to see him next weekend mm-hmm. or weekend after next. So you're going to have to give him – you're going to have to give voters a, a, a video game-like uh, stat sheet, and I'm fine with it. You know, go do your thing, Brian. Go do your thing, Jaden. And you know what? I'm, if you're Georgia State, you got to be like, "Yep, yeah, we should have stopped him. We didn't stop him. Right, you know, right. It, it's, it's not our problem. I mean, it's
4: not—it's not their problem. It's our problem. We could have stopped. By the way, going on the the UCLA USC on the other side, like how just tragically bad of a season is this for USC? I and mean, they were a top. Oh man, what what were they ranked preseason? Like five or six?
6: Five, uh, six, I think.
4: And they go seven and six. five. You had the Heisman Trophy winner, like Lake, What? I don't even know what to think of Lincoln Riley at this point.
3: Stubborn.
6: you know, I, To me, I think he's Jimbo Fisher. because, But he was in an easier conference to win at a reasonably high level. Um, because he's not going to change. I mean, he's just not. He, that is his way or the highway. He's going to get skill players. He's going to get superstar quarterback. He's not going to pay attention to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Until you do that, you're not going to win. And going into the Big, uh, Big Ten with that mindset, He's going to get smoked. I mean, how, it's going to go downhill in a hurry.
1: How much of the win-loss record of a team should matter when it comes to the Heisman? I don't think Caleb Williams is winning a second in a row, but is he going to get an invite with his no. team struggling no. the way it is? I don't but think he will eight, either. I'm assured that. Yeah, I'm Well, and, and, and the
6: thing is, they don't play this weekend. Yeah. So it's like Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is better than anyway. Right, but right. are talking about two weeks of sitting out. Yeah. Who, who gets the invites? So there's no set number, uh, but I would say Jaden, mm-hmm. Michael Penix,
2: mm-hmm.
6: Bo Nick. I think there will be some Carson Beck love.
4: There's, there might be. He, I was going to bring him. If up. Marvin Harrison goes off and they beat Michigan, he'll yes, he's yeah, be
1: he American should get pick. an invite, right? What about? He should get there. What about McCarthy? No. He was bad
6: last Quorum? year. Quorum? No. I mean, no, I think Michigan, voters are, are going to look at Michigan and say that's the team, that would, that's that's the defense. Like, you know, that, that's just the defense that's driving the team, and there's no superstar, really. It's all kind of one group. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people will just have some variation of Penix, Bonex, and Jaden Daniels, because you only get three votes. Mm-hmm. If, if there are people that change, if there are people that veer away from that, it'll probably be Marvin Harrison and Carson Beck. So I guess it just depends on how many people do for each one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one of them probably won't. And and I guess it depends on what happens the next couple of weeks. Yeah. But one of them probably won't. So I would say there are four that do. And the fourth would be Carson Beck or Marvin
2: Harrison. Yeah.
4: Because yeah, Harrison has had huge games in their big games Mm -hmm. but if he all of a sudden goes for 10 for 150 and they beat Michigan like then I think that will and then you know has another follows that up with a big Big Ten championship game I think he could sway a lot of voters I think you're right and that the Knicks Pennix thing might come down to if they do match up in the Pac-12 championship game you know one of them has a really good game to win that could sway could sway a lot of people towards them and maybe the other one you know loses votes that. yes I would say one of them has to tank
1: for that to happen Yeah, you're not talking about the invite. You're talking about to actually win the Heisman Trophy. Yes, yes, yeah. I agree with that 100. percent Both yeah. are going to get the invite. There's no no question about. It. All right, Barrett. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Have a great time on Thursday. I know you're going to be busy though. It's a busy week in college football, and we'll talk about it next Monday. Thanks,
6: y'all. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Thank you, Barrett. The, I, Penix was not real good this past week, but he made some clutch passes. He made
4: he did. I love and. Adunze, that receiver. There are so many unbelievably good good receivers in college football right now. Adunze, and you got the Florida State guys. You've got obviously Malik Neighbors. You've got Marvin Harrison Jr. Dude, that there, there are some receivers that are just awesome. Get the guy from Missouri, Burton. Yeah, Burton, who had the huge fourth down conversion catch. Dude, they are the receiver position is
1: nasty. When we come back, we won't have a lot of time, but I want to talk about some of the SEC results from the week, including the heartbreaking loss for Florida now the position they're in to try to become bowl eligible. Same deal with Mississippi State. They got the egg bowl coming up on Thursday. We know what they got to do, or maybe they, I don't even know if they can get the six. What's their record right now, Mississippi State? We'll talk about that when we return. I want to tell you about Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, a great option for lunch or for dinner. Certainly, if you want an event catered, they can do that. They've been doing it as long as they've been in existence for about four decades. You're doing a little tailgating. Corky's is the call. Believe me, you'll enjoy that delicious slow-smoked barbecue. All the fixings as well, plus their barbecue nachos and their... Cheese and sausage plates, great wings as well. I love the rolls that you get with their meals, with their entrees. Plus, if you want to go outside the barbecue family, tamales, an award-winning catfish plate, delicious juicy hamburgers, amazing desserts. I'm making myself hungry right now. Four convenient locations in the mid south: Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, Goodman Road in Olive Branch. Lunch specials every day. Party packs starting at just seven forty nine. You can also reserve their private party room at either the Cordova or the Olive Branch locations. Just give them a jingle. And while you're there at Quirky's, pick up a Quirky's gift card or two. It always makes a great stocking stuffer. Christmas just around the corner. Corky's, a Memphis staple for four decades. We'll take a quick timeout, come back with more of hour number two. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be
0: sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows. Stay up to date with station events and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. You or someone you know or care about has dealt with a difficult divorce. When facing divorce, you need the attorneys at Rice Law. Nick and Larry Rice lead the firm with three generations and seven decades of experience. Located in Memphis, serving the entire state of Tennessee and North Mississippi. Rice Law is who you need to call. Simple or difficult divorce, they know how to handle it. Call Rice Law at 901-526-6701, or for more information, visit them at aboutdivorce.com. That's aboutdivorce.com. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. All right, welcome back. Mississippi State is at
1: five after beating Southern Miss 41 to 20. And remember, Jerry Palm in his projections, I'm not sure if he's changed it, but he had Mississippi State as a five and seven team getting into a bowl if there's not enough six and six teams. I guess that's a possibility. I don't know what their APR is, but for them to get the six to make sure they're in a bowl game, they're gonna have to beat Ole Miss on Thursday in the egg bowl. Last year they beat Ole Miss. This year, I don't think there's a prayer they're beating Ole Miss. It is a rivalry game, but I I don't think so. Ole Miss, of course, comes in off the win on Saturday over Louisiana Monroe, 35-3. So again, Mississippi State sitting at 5. Florida had Missouri. They had that game won. Missouri pulls it out in the end, saves their chances for a New Year 6, and it's a good chance they'll be in a New Year's 6 game. Meanwhile, it denies Florida a 6th win, Florida, to get to six, would have to beat Florida State. That ain't going to happen.
4: Even with a uh, backup quarterback, that ain't happening. I, I don't know. I, I want to see what Florida State is
1: with this quarterback.
4: Both have backup
1: quarterbacks, right? Mertz
4: got hurt, too. Yeah, and as Barrett was just talking about, we don't know. There's a lot of unknowns about that game because of the t- the two quarterback situations. Um,
1: I should never doubt rivalry games, but Florida State's looking at a playoff spot. I just don't see them... Losing to Florida, so that would deny Florida a sixth win. I
4: mean, Rodemaker looked good, but that's also that That's that's against North Alabama, sure. Um, absolutely, you know, that it's you know, Jordan Travis is a hell of a player, so we'll we'll see what they are. Yeah, I would think Florida State still wins the game, they've got their great receivers, all that stuff, but I don't know. Um, I mean, Florida, the fourth and 17, like, goodness gracious, it's unbelievable. And, and the fact that Luther Burden gets that open on fourth and 17. Like, how in the triple team the guy. At fourth and seventeen. I'm gonna go ahead and say, you know what? They might throw to burden here. So somebody guard him. Like, and it wasn't even like some crazy. He just came down and did a little simple route, like just past the first down marker. I that, that's like the worst defensive play you could see. Like you just give up an easy
1: conversion on fourth and seventeen. Oh, that was horrible. That was their season in a you know microcosm right there, that one play. South Carolina beat Kentucky 17-14, so it gives them hope. They they'll have to beat rival Clemson this week. Clemson looked good. And they've looked a lot better the latter part of the year in burying North Carolina. But South Carolina at least puts themselves in a position to get the six, but they're going to have to beat Clemson. And then Auburn, which already has six wins, and I know our buddy Harold Grader was down on the plains to watch Auburn as a possible participant in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. I know that Memphis is a, is a possibility if there's not enough SEC teams, but they would love to see Auburn at the game, and then they go out there and lay an egg against New Mexico State. They get buried by New Mexico State. Are you kidding me? Thirty-one to ten. How about Jerry Kill? If he doesn't get national coach of the year vote, something's wrong. Eight wins.
4: He what the job he has done there is virtually it's basically unbelievable. To go there in two years now for last year take him to a bowl game. This year he's taken him to the conference championship game. Into a bowl game. Before that, again, the win totals leading up to him, just going back, two, one, two, three. They did have one seven win year. Three, three, two, two, one, four. This is legitimately one of the worst programs there is over the last 20 years. He's come in there, and last year went seven and six, took him to bowl. This year has about nine and three in a conference championship game and obviously going to a bowl
1: game. It's it incredible. On the plains by 3 touchdowns. Do you know what Auburn did to Arkansas and Fayetteville? He deserves coach of the year votes. And earned
4: 1.8 million dollars for that win. Yes. <laughs> Which is yeah, that he uh and, well he beat last year, beat Hugh Freeze at Liberty. This year, he beats Hugh Freeze at Auburn. You stop Hugh, Hugh, stop it. Stop schedule New Mexico State. Hugh does not want to go against Jerry Kill. That is for sure. Fleet Feet, the place to go to get all your running gear. Go see them at either one of the two locations. Laurelwood Shopping Center in East Memphis, out in Kyerville, Poplar and Houston Levee, next to Huey's. You go in, they take a look at the way you run or the way you walk, and they'll fit you with shoes that are just right for you. We are getting very close. just a few weeks away, a couple weeks away, I guess, from the uh, St. Jude Marathon here in town. I know a lot of folks will be running in that. Make sure you're ready with a visit to Fleet Feet First to get all those supplies beyond the shoes, of course, they've got everything else you need, and they're all runners as well. So if you've got questions about anything, they can answer those as well at Fleet Feet.
1: Hour three on the way. We'll talk some NFL. Then we'll be joined by Fox Sports' Joel Klatt. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 985 FM. <laughs>